Dear Mauro, it's a pleasure to meet you here at the World Aviation Festival in Lisbon. And um, thank you very much for the interview. And uh, we're looking forward to your insights uh, you can share with our members, and um, such as Air France KLM, for example, who's part of the Sky Team. So thank you, Mauro. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having uh, Sky Team and me in this interview. Thank you. Um, Mauro, let's start at um, looking at um, the trends the post-COVID, so the last 18 months. Uh, what were actually the uh, main trends and themes you as a company were focusing on, your members, but also the airline industry in general? Yeah, well, the two are closely related because, of course, we tend to focus on things that matter to our members. And the first focus is has been on recovering traffic. You know, the pandemic has been, has, has has been something unprecedented in terms of the impact. Never the industry had faced something so dire. And so all our members, and we in support of them, have been focusing in the last 18 months to accompany the recovery. Luckily, the recovery is going well. It's been very healthy. We recently had calls with each of the 19 airlines, uh, SkyTeam, and uh, we asked several questions. And when we came to the traffic part, everyone was smiling. Everyone was happy. So that was the first thing. The second thing for us has been continuing in the journey towards a more seamless uh, customer journey, a seamless travel. So we have invested significantly in, um, in technology, in digital technology in particular. And so we didn't stop during the pandemic. So the actual uh, budget was significantly lowered of course, not to not to weigh on our members' uh, uh, balance sheets, but we kept on focusing on technology during the pandemic. So we kept the lights on, in a way, and this is now continuing, and this is now, I would say, accelerating. And when I mean digital, I mean uh, digital technology to fundamentally improve customer experience in the areas of check-in, for example, ancillary services and the notifications, uh, bags, and so on and so forth. The third area is sustainability. We, do, uh, we did a very important, and we are still doing it, initiative called the Sustainable Flight Challenge, acronym TSFC, uh, whereby in the month of May, all our airlines, all our, our, our member airlines have flown one or more flight existing flights in their network, trying to make it as sustainable as possible. So this year, 22 airlines, 72 flights, competing on 26 categories. It has been an incredible journey, supported at CEO level with a very eminent jury made of members of you know, world quality level. So that has been the, the, third, the, the third big area. So I would say recovery, seamlessness, sustainability. And um, let's uh, start with the recovery. As you said, um, travel has had a strong rebound post-COVID. Um, our members are also talking about revenge travel. And now business travel is coming back as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, but obviously the increase in demand in travel also came with its challenges. Um, airlines had to ramp up their capacity and um, they were facing some operational challenges as well. So which kind of challenges were you facing and how did you overcome those? 
So the, the Alliance is a very specific observation point. We're not an airline. We don't operate uh, aircraft. So our role is really to support the members. And the, 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 the issue there is that each member has specific challenges and each geography has specific challenges. So in Europe, for example, and we, we are based in Amsterdam. So Schiphol was an airport that has faced and is facing challenges. Last year it was about not having enough people to cater for the demand. This year is about uh, the uh, ask that the Dutch government has made to lower the uh, noise and so as a consequence to lower the amount of flights in Schiphol. And this is very much something that is happening in Europe. So the focus on sustainability, intermodality, replacing flights with trains. Uh, this is something that is very specific to, to Europe. In the US, the landscape is different. The landscape is such that the US has a very healthy industry altogether. Four carriers uh, cover 85% of the market. And so for them, the challenge was to organize them, reorganize the companies that have lost uh, employees, that have lost uh, also competence over the years to really bring back that competence, that knowledge and that staff in order again to meet the demand. In Asia, the situation is much different. I was in China last week uh, and the China Eastern showed us some, some numbers, you know, and the traffic in domestic China has now reached the level of 2019 or even exceeding that level. But if you look at international travel, we're still at 30%, 35%. So, you know, each geography has its own challenges. Yes. And um, so if we then look at the opportunities, what do you see for the next 18 to 24 months? Which are, in your view, the biggest opportunities for the industry and also for your alliance? The biggest opportunities are is to continue the work that we were doing uh, before the pandemic in the area of seamless travel, mm. specifically of seamless travel. So the combine we, we we operate at the intersection of customer experience, the design of certain products and services for the collective benefit of uh, the alliance, intersecting with technology. Uh, we have a quite, I would say, leading-edge position in that, uh, in that space and uh, on the road towards retailing, on the road towards offer and order, on the road towards uh, one order, there is, we are doing things in the areas, for example, of check-in, in the areas, for example, of ancillaries, starting with seats, in the areas of flight operation, flight, sorry, flight for, uh, flight information, so notifications, and um, and also in the area of loyalty as well, mm -hmm. because we have some projects uh, that we want to carry out there, and in the area of bags. Mm -hmm. So um, you're talking about the seamless experience, and also you mentioned earlier that even throughout COVID, you have not stopped investing into technology. We've reduced. You've reduced the budget, but um, so how is the budget for next year? Do you think budgets are, have come back and um, they're going to increase? N not really. So there is, uh, we, we are discussing the budgets as we speak. Yeah. These are the, uh, the heavy weeks. And uh, there is a lot of caution mm. in, uh, in the industry. So while on one side, uh, the outlook on traffic in summer has been great, and 
I think winter as well will look good. At the same time, this lives together with a very cautious approach and in a way even a concern approach by a lot of our members because of what is happening in the world, because of well, the war in uh, Ukraine is continuing, the climate uh, challenge is still there, fuel, fuel price is increasing, and so everyone is asking the question how long will this last and is there a risk that this may not last for a long time. Mm -hmm. So the budgets are uh, cautious. And um, is this the budget so, uh, overall for the airline industry, but what about the loyalty budgets and um, focusing on customer-centric mm -hmm. approach? So this is a, a painful question for me because the loyalty budget was basically stopped mm -hmm. for four years and now this year will be, I think, there will be a better budget for loyalty, but I will no longer be in charge. So that's why it's painful, because I've been trying to promote uh, this kind of investments, uh, but uh, I will not enjoy the satisfaction of seeing the results. But I'm glad for the colleagues that are replacing uh, me. And uh, yeah, I think there will be a little better in, uh, uh, there will be a little more money to spend in loyalty. Mm -hmm. And um, you mentioned sustainability was your third topic. So um, how do you overcome those challenges and expectations to move into a more sustainable um, uh, industry? So this initiative that I mentioned before has been really the, uh, the initiative that has induced traction in the space. Frankly, we have been trying to do things in sustainability for many years without much success. And then four years ago, magically, the focus changed uh, and the focus was there. Mm -hmm. So now the sustainability efforts are supported at CEO level and the Sustainable Flight Challenge, you can Google it, there is a website dedicated mm -hmm. to it, sustainableflightchallenge.com. Uh, this is really becoming a, a, a very relevant initiative. Why is that? Because through the Sustainable Flight Challenge, through this friendly competition, we gathered a number of relevant innovations about 200 last year, about 300 this year, where, which we have captured in a website, sustainablefaciline.com, where uh, we have uh, collected all these innovations and we have divided them in some 14, 15, 16 streams, mm -hmm. from eco-piloting to waste management, from cargo to SAF. And uh, so, what happened is that we are creating micro communities of people of the same with that share the same interest in those uh, topics and so people are collaborating within the airlines within the alliance space to improve in those areas it's a very interesting exercise this is one element the second element is that this initiative is leading to us developing standards in sustainability that can be adopted by all the members in the Alliance. So we have two, it's a two-pronged approach. On one side, the Sustainable Flight Challenge, on the other side, the Sustainability Standards. Mm -hmm. And um, so the Sustainability Challenge, which you were talking about, was first came from the government side. You mentioned, for example, that in Amsterdam, you had to reduce the noise yeah, level. But it came from KLM. It came from KLM. So KLM has a group of people mm -hmm called Bold Moves, and these people, it's about 150 of them, 
they are they have been tasked with uh, the uh, challenge of finding projects and initiatives that can really raise the bar in sustainability and these projects they need to be bold bold moves mm -hmm. they need to be ambitious and they need to be even a little bit painful because if you don't if it doesn't hurt maybe the the, the progress is not work. enough so this group has selected 250 initiatives mm -hmm. shortlisted 60 selected 10 mm -hmm. 10 went to the board and then one of them is a sustainable flight challenge and KLM said at the time it was Peter Elbers who was still the CEO said hey why don't we hand over this to Sky Team because this is best done collectively with the other 90 members so they handed over to us and we implemented so this has really put you in the forefront of um, sustainability yeah, implementation. it really did. Yeah. And um, if we look at your um, customers so of your uh, partner airlines, um, would you say that their approach to sustainability and their demands have changed as well? Again, the geography is very important. The demand profile has changed significantly in Europe, where the awareness around sustainability topics is very high, like very high. Uh, and uh, but in in the US is not so high as yet. It's there. It's important. It's relevant, but it's less felt on the skin with respect to Europe. And in Asia, even less so. So I was recently in Korea and discussing with Korean Air their uh, sustainability ambition. They're absolutely focused on that, and they do a lot of things in terms of fleet, engine, etc. But the sentiment in the country is not as pronounced as uh, uh, in other areas of the world, simply because they consider themselves an island, even though it's not an island, technically it's a, promont it's a promontory, but because they have North Korea on, in the north, where they cannot travel, they need to fly everywhere. And so the possibility to have the freedom to fly prevails for now over the concerns about uh, the environment. Mm -hmm. That's what we're hearing actually from our members as well. There, there's such a big difference in the dif uh, geographies Huge. in terms of yes, in, in terms of um, how the customers yeah. have evolved and what their expectations. But for are. example, just two two examples that are nice to mention for the sustainability flight challenge is that uh, uh, in Africa, Kenya Airways has been the thanks to the challenge has been the first airline to actually have SAF delivered and uh, put on board of the aircraft physically in Nairobi mm. for the first time. So huge step for the African continent and for Kenya Airways. And the second example, which I always make because it's fun, but it's also uh, telling. So KLM City Hopper, both last year and this year, they flew one route, uh, last year was to, to Porto, this year, I think it was Trondheim in Norway, and they flew this route in the with the slowest ever speed. Okay, so they flew to save fuel, fuel and to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. They flew with the slowest possible speed, and they got there earlier than the scheduled time. So, how is it possible that you fly slower and you get there early? So the elapsed time was actually the shortest mm -hmm. ever. And performed on those two routes and that's because they operated ad hoc with the uh, flight with, with the traffic authorities with the air traffic authorities mm -hmm. or the various countries involved and said hey can we just for this flight 
fly straight from Amsterdam to Porto, Amsterdam to Trondheim, without doing all the various mm -hmm. things. So my my comment here is imagine how much we could achieve if we had the single European sky that we've been talking about for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's going to happen? I don't know. I, I hope so, but I don't know when. That's the problem, you know. We have been talking for 20 years, and unless these kind of things happen, we as Europe, I'm a strong believe in Europe, uh, we will be, uh, we will create disenfranchised uh, citizens. Mm -hmm. 